Welcome to The Truth in This Art. I am your host, Rob Lee, the Rob Lee. Put, put that in front, make sure you get it right. Um, today, I'm in conversation with a multidisciplinary artist with a focus on drawing and painting and a background in architectural design. Please welcome Elijah Trice. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me, Rob. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's just I'm, I'm, I'm hitting on I'm just like, yo, you got something that's going on. You got some good work on. Let me see what you got going on. Let me have a conversation with you. That's that's literally where we're at right now. That's how it goes. Yeah, no, I'm always working, always working. <laughs> I mean, you, you were telling me a little bit beforehand. Uh, so, again, thank you for coming on to the podcast. And be, before we get too too into the weeds. I, I want to, you know, open it up to uh, like get 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 the Elijah story. What's 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 the story, and, and ultimately, what drew you into to art? Like, what 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 was that first art experience for you? So, uh, funny thing is, um, right out of high school, well, actually, before high school, I used to draw cartoons. Uh, I, I watched a lot of cartoons as a child, so that's like the first thing that I saw. I was like, oh, that's so cool! I want that on my wall. And I guess from a young age, I always looked at a lot of the art that I saw, like, I could do that. So let me go ahead and try it. And it was like a self-motivating thing. So I always, I've always been an active drawer, just just drawing everything that I see. Mm -hmm. And that was at probably like age 10, maybe a little earlier than that. I would draw like uh, SpongeBob, uh, Hey Arnold, Timmy Turner, like characters like that, that I would see every day. And then, um, Fast forward, I, uh, I graduate high school. Um, I went to Randallstown High School in Baltimore County. Baltimore County, born and raised. But uh, um, I, I, I didn't know what I wanted to do because I didn't feel like I was good at anything for some reason. I, I just knew I could draw. I knew how to use Photoshop and all these different things that I learned in high school. So I went to uh, CCBC um, to study fine art, where I learned like digital illustration and uh, just pretty much honing my illustration skills, the ones that I already had, the traditional skills I had. Sure. But, um, but I kind of let, as I was getting further into that, uh, associate's degree, I, I kind of let other people and just the idea of being an artist, uh, when people, when people's opinion on it get to me and I just was like, Oh, I'm never going to make any money. The usual, you know, you're starving artists, all these other things. So I, I was just like, oh, man, I have to, I guess I got to find something else. Like, I, I got discouraged. And that's how uh, I ended up attending uh, Morgan State uh, for um, <laughs> <laughs> Morgan State for architecture. It was, I, I was looking for something that's not too far away, mm -hmm. but, you know, not exactly what I was doing. So uh, cause I, I used to see videos of people like sketching on blueprints and all these other things. Even yeah. though we do not call them blueprints, by the way, but we just <laughs> what do you call them? <laughs> just call them plans, okay. draws, pretty much. But um, I did my four years, four and a half years at Morgan. Uh, I took a I took a year off. I worked at a firm, um, and then I decided to go to grad school, which mm -hmm. is where I'm at now. Um, I'm in Providence right now. I go to RISD, Rhode Island School of Design. Shout out to RISD. <laughs> yeah, it's a wonderful school. And um, I'm in my lab. I'm actually in my thesis year right now. I'm graduating in spring. Oh, yeah. And ironically enough, halfway through this degree, I realized I didn't want to be an architect. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I crafted the perfect career to be an architect. I'm talking like I got the fellowships and 
I got like the student awards and I got the internships and the experience, but something just felt void. So uh, it was during COVID. I actually entered RISD in 2020. It was the worst time possible to go to school, I guess. But um, I think like 2021, I think about last year in the wintertime, I just was like, you know, let me just pick up something. What everybody was doing during COVID, let's, let's just find like a new hobby. And I've always been scared to paint. Mm-hmm. So, because I was always good at illustration and I used graphite. That was my, my medium of choice. Yeah. And graphite and charcoal. So I was scared of color. That was the problem. Mm-hmm. So I was like, you know what? Whatever. Let me just try it out. And I tried. I looked at a bunch of YouTube videos and self teaching myself how to do this stuff. And I really loved it. Like I enjoyed it it quickly, it instantly became the passion because yeah. everything that I was feeling void, I just felt full very quickly. Yeah. So, um, but then it was like, that that came with its uh, bittersweet feelings. I'm in school for something else. And now- You changed an architecture. Everything. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, it makes me want to change everything, rethink everything, but I decided I'm gonna just continue school and find a healthy medium of both. So, and that brings us up to now. It's it's been a year since I started and a lot has happened. Like, yeah. Since then. So yeah, that's my story. No, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And um, yeah, it, it, it takes me, I, I think like you, you had an interest in, in drawing and illustration and all of that stuff earlier. And it, 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 in some ways you, you cut a part of it away to, to kind of pursue the, the safe route. Right. And, you know, we, we all have a, a similar story, I think, you know, like I had, I had a similar one, Morgan was involved, all of that stuff. Right. And I think ultimately artists got, artists got an art. I'm using it as a verb or what have you, <laughs> but we got art and, uh, um, we got to create and it, 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 something's going to remind you, I think all the time. And I think you had that, that exposure of, nah, you, you, you still like to do this. You just made me want to do it in a different way. And I had to arrive at that myself where I was trying to do the the smooth move of let me combine this because I have a marketing background. Let me combine this marketing with podcasting and I'm going to be great. And then it took a shot at me. It was just like, no, this is not going to work. These people don't know anything about this particular lane, but they have the money and the resources. And it became a validation marker. And then it kind of started that comparison thing and comparison kills creativity. All of the things we hear. Yeah, it definitely does. So let, let's talk about feelings. Let's, let's open it up to feelings. It says the Aquarius, right? Um, so, but, but in it, what sorts of feelings are you trying to express in the, in, in your work and maybe the choice of colors you're embracing that now or, and maybe the subject matter, what feelings are you trying to express? So when I first started painting, I was just painting kind of like how I was drawing. I was just painting what I saw with paint celebrities. And I was just trying to get like a good contrast of skin color because um, I mostly painted black icons that I consider icons or people that that I enjoy or I like music, like musicians and, you know, just certain people that was that I, that I was always that was always in front of me sure. what, through social media or TV or whatever movies. But then as my art practice progressed and it evolved. Um, I started to like think of it in a, in a more, um, I don't know, I got really detailed. Like I started thinking of, about it way differently because I wanted my work to have meaning and not just for somebody to just see it and be like, oh, that's that person 
from that song or that music video or that movie, you know, like I didn't need it. It didn't have to be a familiar face for people to know sure. um, or, for pe- or for people to connect to it, if I may. Um, so what I do now, um, like I just started working in series now. And what I do now is I basically have a series now where um, it's called As Told By. And it's and it's and essentially is I select my subjects based off of conversations that I've had with them. Yeah. And my work has shifted to telling other people's stories uh, and depicting it on canvas and picking colors that describe their feelings and their moods. So um, like I'm working on a piece now where it's like this melancholy piece. It's like a nice fuchsia purple, like dioxide purple color. All my artists would know those colors, the dioxide purple, but um, (laughs) yeah, like that's kind of where I've shifted to. And when people look at their work now, they're not just saying, oh, that looks really dope. That looks really nice. Now they're like, Oh, why does this person look like this? Now we have a discussion. Now mm-hmm. we have things that we can talk about. And that's how people start connecting to your work. So now um, it's not really about my feelings, mm. um, unless I'm probably doing a self-portrait, which I have done. Yeah. Uh, but now it's about, I guess, making a platform for other people and the way they feel and their stories. Okay. I don't think we I don't think black people in general. Like, I don't think our stories are really received or uh, depicted enough in whether it's in academia, whether it's in politics or even whether it's in the art world. I don't I just don't think so. No, I I, I think you're right. I, I think that that in terms of representation, it's not high enough to take up that much space, you know, or to represent like. You got what two black curators? You know, like what do you? <laughs> that's that's it. And 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 I think the folks that are in positions at times, it seems that they're only they only can see elements of the of what it is to be a black person as one or two things. And there's a lot. There's many shades to it. And 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 black people are of many shades as well. So get that lighting right, people. But you know, it's, it's one of those yeah. things where. You know, without that cultural kind of beacon, that cultural connection point, you, you miss out on a lot of these things. And that's why it needs to be more of that sort of stuff that's out there, more beautiful black bodies and, and images and portraiture and all of that stuff being done by black people and curated by black people because it makes for a richer, more holistic experience, or at least attempt the attempt at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I'm going to ask you a really posery question later, just so you know. Okay, I'm ready. Uh, it's it's going to be rapid fire, but we're still going to ask it. Um, so I, I got really interested recently in the the digital to analog loop, right? So y- y- some people who do a primarily analog sort of thing where you're, you're painting, you're painting with your hands, they to break that up, maybe they have a side project where they're doing something digitally and vice versa. So how do you, because I would imagine most of what you're doing at, at this point, as far as painting is, is with your hands. It's, ve- it's definitely an analog process. So how do you manage how much digital stuff you're bringing into that work? And does it have any influence on what you're doing? Right. So yeah, you are correct. Um, my main, my technique is almost a hundred percent traditional or analog. Um, but what I do, I mean, at least we'll part before I start painting, 
Um, I edit all my photos. I take all my all my images, all my source images, and I'm taking it in Photoshop and I buff it up a little bit. But um, like going back to what like my last my last response, where like just trying to captivate that color and that feeling and mm. try to match the two. Um, that's where like my 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 Photoshop experience from high school comes in, and <laughs> <laughs> luckily, and I start playing around with the colors on people's faces, like how 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 certain highlights are 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 touched by um depending on how the lighting is and and because of that it allows me to to uh to successfully translate what i see uh on my computer screen or if i print it out on the canvas sure oh but for but also in the future in the near future something that i really wanted to do um I, after i finish a piece traditionally I would uh I really want to play around with um like augmented reality mm. uh and, and and trying to create digital content based off of the completed traditional piece. Mm-hmm. And see like, you know, like maybe I could make something some funky little uh like moving pieces where like it seems like it's jumping out at you on your screen, even yeah. though it's a flat surface in real life. That's what that's what a painting is. So I mean I'm thinking about stuff like that. But there's a there's a lane for that stuff too. Absolutely. I, I actually think the dopest thing I've seen. Um, I'm not sure if you're aware of the artist Cause. Very, very popular. It's, he's like the the character that he's the artist that makes the character that kind of looks like it has like the Mickey Mouse ears and. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's like the best way to explain it. <laughs> but um, very successful artist. But I knew that this guy was different. Mm-hmm. whoever it is i don't think i've seen cause before whoever this person is i knew it was different when i was scrolling on their ig page <laughs> i saw that they had uh they basically had an art show displaying their pieces virtually on Fortnite. <laughs> i was i was uh i was taken aback by that i was like how is that <laughs> possible like i know they put i don't even play Fortnite. my little brothers play it but yeah. <laughs> but I know they put like characters there and like they put like Travis Scott and they put like all these different icons and you know people that people recognize. But yeah. he actually, if you go to a certain part of like a stage, I think, uh that you play at, if you walk in like the doors, there's like a guy, it's like an art gallery. <laughs> you can see his stuff on the walls and observe it while you're supposed to be fighting other people in the game. It's like like who wow. the, who who thought of that? Did he how did he get that idea? That that's that's a dope. I've like I, I I've had a few conversations. Um, one that comes to mind was recent, and we were talking about that as far as like the museum setup, the searchable museum from uh, the the whole homies at, at Fearless, um, Dalali, and I was just talking about like you can go to a certain museum. There are certain limitations, right? You can't go inside of the exhibit, whereas the searchable digital one, yeah, you can. And just kind of that, it just reimagines it. It's a whole different vibe. So having something start off in, you know, something as popular but a little disposable as a as a game, and that's like an iteration of it. And it's like, oh, oh, this is an interesting lane that someone can get their stuff seen by a re, like a, like a worldwide audience. Yeah, that's so cool. There's so many different ways to showcase one's talents. It's and. Honestly, social media just changed the game because now you can get your work out to a broader audience quicker 
Mm-hmm. And that, that's helped me. Like, I, I don't know how I would have built my audience uh, if if it wasn't for I do art. I did. I was doing art markets and I was doing like flea markets at first to get my name out in the area that I'm in with Providence. And then people follow me. Then they will share my work to their brothers, to their cousins, to their, their friends and family, their followers. And then it would just grow. Yeah. And I went from having like 300 followers. It was like a regular account. It was just like, oh, like, it was only like pictures of like the good things that happen in your life. And then it <laughs> to being this art page of all these beautiful colors and pictures of these beautiful black people. Like it's, it, it was crazy how it happened. So yeah. technology changed a lot. I, a lot. I, I would say it's been almost a year since I was in Providence. I had that was the last trip I actually took, and uh, I stayed to graduate. I, I had a great time. I spent a lot of money, bought a lot of lobster rolls, and uh, had a lot of pretentious coffee. Uh, yes, that's what I did. Uh, I went to that one pizza spot that was on like the strip. You know where all the tourists go, and I was like, "Oh, this is this is amazing." I think it had like clams and potatoes on it. I was like, well, "I need to come back." It's only a six-hour train ride. <laughs> Of course you do. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it, it's it's great up there. And I think, you know, it, like whenever I travel, you know, I like to go to where it feels like it's, it's this concentrated kind of vibe of there are restaurants there. There may be some street art. There may be galleries, a litany of different things, coffee shops, things that, that kind of interest me, but also have this creative and this kind of artistic and maybe almost concentrated culture. Because I think the Hasbro like headquarters is in that area as well. So in those instances where, where you may travel or what have you, or when you're like, it's just exploring, right? What do you look for? What's like the first thing that you do when you go to a new place that you're unfamiliar with? You being the fact that you're an artist, also with the architectural background, you might be looking at the buildings like this is sketchy. I don't know about this. So tell me about that. I mean, being from being from Baltimore, like I know what a sketchy neighborhood looks like. <laughs> yeah, this is fair. I, this is fair. I know. I know what a beautiful neighborhood looks like. I know what a sketchy one looks like. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fair judge of that. But um. I think it's kind of what you're saying. Like it's restaurants. It's, I mean, it's shops. But I think for me, it's not regular shops. It's more, and it's something that's way more common up here. I think is like these little boutique shops. Was like a bunch of vintage shops, and mm-hmm. like that's where you start to, um, that's where you start to kind of see because those vintage shops and those thrift shops are like a reflection of really people that live in that neighborhood already because they're bringing these things there, or the or the owners purchasing it from locals. And you can kind of see, you'll always see like things like memorabilia or uh, things that are reminiscent of like maybe the old times within that city that you're in. It almost tells the history of it mm-hmm. uh, without actually opening a book or looking at a documentary. Like I love, I love being able to learn about the city just by driving or walking through it. I should say mm-hmm. walking because when you drive by, you don't really have a chance to look up. Because you're driving, <laughs> yeah, because, and that's and sometimes when you look up, that's some of the most beautiful things. Mm-hmm. That's the architect of me coming out. Oh my gosh, this guy. <laughs> um, so this this is a newish question I've started asking people, and I I, I find something about the the, the groups like it's, it's interesting when people only hang out with. Like it goes back to high school. The jocks only hang out with the jocks. You know, it's kind of that vibe. So I think like we still do that to a degree. We may hang out with our coworkers. That's our clique. Or I think artists may hang out with artists. So with that question in mind, 
uh, what type of artists do you like hang out with, you spend time with and kind of bounce ideas off or just vibe? And which type of artists are there? Like, is it photographers? Is it painters? What is it? And in your travels, who are the artists that you're like, these are the funnest ones to hang out with? Like, why are they funner than, let's say, you know, hanging out with a pianist? I don't know. Yeah. Ironically enough, um, I, I am still cool with a lot of people from high school, but um. <laughs> And I also have college friends, uh, but a lot of the friends that I've had from high school, just like me, just miraculously turned into artists randomly throughout the year. So um, I usually have these conversations with those friends and those friends are like photographers, mostly They're photographers um, and the people and also the people out here in Providence. I mean, it's a it's a it's a it's a school it's an art school for the most part it's a design school but really it's an art school yeah architecture and all these like other more technical programs are like the outsiders here but um but i but that's also what makes it beautiful because i'm around so many different disciplines mm-hmm. i'm able to get so many different perspectives that informs my work but it always happens organically like i'm never we're never in most cases, I'm never really asking about art. Sure. Somebody could be talking just like that series I mentioned. Somebody could be talking about their life, what they're going through, good, bad, family stuff, you know, their home, because Rizzi has a huge international student uh, population. So I hear about people from all over the country, like Ethiopia and China and Ghana and Madagascar, like all these different places. <laughs> I'm not even talking about anywhere in the country yet. Like it's yeah. there's so many different experiences, Italy, um, Spain, it's ridiculous. So I listen to these stories and also as a black man, as a black man in America, especially hearing the experiences of other black people mm-hmm. in other countries is very fascinating to me. Like we still have the diaspora. All We, we all, we all share commonalities, but there's always like slight changes, slight uh, differences, right, that, yeah. you know, that defers our, our experiences. So it's interesting, like hearing those things. So everybody here is a creative. Mm-hmm. We have industrial design. We have people that do sculpture, illustration, painting, um, glass. I don't even know what you do in the, in the glass major, but it sounds cool. Like, I don't know. I'd love to go to school just to do glass. Like, what is that? So. <laughs> you can get you can get inspired by anything out here, but you, it's the same way back home as well. Like yeah. back home in Baltimore, it's, I always tell people it's a, it's a very artsy city. Like you may not know because you've never been, but you know we're often overlooked when it comes to the art scene, even though we have such a a strong one. Like it's 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 in good hands. I've met a lot of people like over the summer and art like other artists that inspired me and. It's amazing how people just don't know what's going on here. They skip us and probably go to DC. Mm-hmm. Or obviously they, they go to New York and they go to Philly. This in between city is just like totally <laughs> like we don't exist. Yeah. And it's sad, but that's changing. But that's and, and, and you know, maybe I'm trying to play my little hand at that and trying to help bring more eyes and ears to you know, in facilitating storytelling, I'm not telling anyone's story. People tell their own stories. I'm just trying to be a person that helps get up, get it out there. And 
maybe that helps. And I think you're you're in some ways in the same spot that I am, whereas I think we're sleeper cells. We're Baltimore sleeper cells. It's like, oh, let me go up there. Yeah, you're not from Baltimore, right? Tell me more about it. And you have to be that kind of that good ambassador, you know, in, in many regards. It's like, yeah, you know, you, you love my work. Baltimore is baked into it. How you feel about that? Mm-hmm, exactly. And, and you got to bring it with you. And so yeah, you represent Absolutely. You know, I, I, I like hot sauce on my fries. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're on the same page here. Look, I mean, I, I had to tell people, I was like, look, man, it's ketchup, hot sauce, no salt, you know, pepper. I don't care about the wings. I just want the Western fries. <laughs> oh, just the Western fries. Just the wow. Western. Uh, uh, wow. you know, people get wild and say, I want, I want six wings fried hard. I was like, less. Us. I think we're good. I think we're all set here. Um, so you touched on the, the social media growth earlier. So I want to flip it a little bit. What are some of the van? No, let me add this rap reference to it real quick. You know, they say and we're not talking purely about money. So re- re- stepping back, you touched on social media and we're not talking purely about money here, but it is the notion of more money, more problems. And I think more attention. So tell me about the advantages of obscurity. Tell me about kind of what that was like, like being more obscure, like you're doing your work and then you're not having to answer goofy questions because there is some things that aren't great about growing out in the whole art scene. Oh, for sure. Um, Perfect example. Well, first, before I I tell the story, I'm very much so a person that indulges in the obscurity. Like even now, like I, (laughs) I don't, I always say like, I don't, even before I started painting, I never want to be like famous or I'd much rather be wealthy than to be famous mm-hmm. or I'd much rather be real. I have money than be famous. Like I don't really want to be seen much because I, I, it just comes with like these weird um, interactions with people. So we get too familiar. Sometimes I've run into it all the time. Hey, Rob, pat me on the shoulder. I think like, yeah, it's, 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 <laughs> it's really strange. Cause like uh, I did the, my school um, has a craft show every mm-hmm. year where they invite students and alumni to be a part of this huge, um, not a flea market, but like this big art market outside on um, one of our main streets called Benefit Street. Mm -hmm. And I was able to get into it last year, um, only months after I started painting, which was a miracle. But um, after that, it was like thousands of people just walking down the street. It's like a big thing in the city. And I didn't Mm -hmm. know. Cause I was just like, Oh, I've never been. And this is, and also COVID hit. So they right. didn't have any of that stuff in 2020. Mm-hmm. So 2021 was things, you know, things were starting to trickle back in. So I, I'm at my, I'm at, I'm a vendor and I'm at my stand with a, with a friend of mine who also does painting, experimental painting and I'm selling work, you know, I'm selling prints. This is going great. And I made a good amount of money. I was like, all right, I'm happy. You know, I didn't expect to make anything honestly. And mm-hmm like the next day and even like weeks after people would just like randomly see me as I'm walking, like on my way to class and be like, Hey, you, you did that painting or Hey, you're Eli. And I'm like, you know, and I don't want to be like rude. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know who you are. I'm like, I don't, <laughs> like, I, I, I just don't like, I, like it's, who's you? <laughs> it's a weird thing to me. Cause like, I'm used to just, I have friends, but I'm used to not being known and I have a, no problem with that. Mm-hmm. carry about my own way and you know that's what i do but when i see people now when people see me in the street they're just like oh you know i remember you i really love the work and i <laughs> I bought this print the other day i put it in a frame and i'm gonna send you a picture on instagram like it's 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 so i, I don't think i can get used to it i don't think so yeah you see my face on ig honestly you don't 
I, I think there's like two like two posts that actually show my face. The rest is just art. I mean, I try I try not to I try to avoid it um, because I sound this is ridiculous. I sound different when I'm talking. I know that sounds ridiculous, but like if I'm talking on a podcast, there's there's a little more like, you know, performative nature to it. Right. It's like, you know, you know, you can't be on here like, yeah. So, you know, what kind of questions you like to hear? You can't do that. You got to you gotta play it up a little bit. Right. But I'm also like six, four, like 300 plus pounds. So it's just like I can't really hide despite my best efforts. So there have been times it's like, oh, we're inviting you to this opening or you're going here. And I'm like, yo, how can I hide? Because I don't want to get into a conversation I'm ill-equipped for, or I might go there stoned, and I'm like, I, I, I don't have the capacity for this right now. Mm. Yes, Ron, what do you think of the art? It's, it's, it's there. It's on the walls. You know. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> <Perfect answer. laughs> um. So, so this is the last real question I got for you. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about constraints. What sort of constraints do you pepper into your work? Because I think what we see on the canvas, what we see on, on, on the actual medium is important, but what's left out is also as important. What are those choices that are being made? What's the thinking behind the creation? Um, so obviously, when I do these podcasts, right, there is a fair amount of B-roll that I cut out. So like, you know, as soon as you got on, we were already recording. I'm going to trim all of that out. It may be something someone's interested in, but I don't know if it needs to be in here. So tell me about that. So um, some things that I do, I have two, but I don't apply them all the time. Sure. The first one, at least. The first one, I put a time constraint on my work, not only because uh, it started off because I'm in school and I don't have a lot of time. I'm busy. You know, and I was squeezing in work in between like midterms and finals and people looking at me crazy like, how are you not done your work? And I'm like, because I was painting all night. That's why. <laughs> no, but um, but I put time restraints on because it allows you to be more efficient when you mm-hmm. work. And it also allows for you to um, not think, overthink your decisions. Because as a, especially as a painter, mm-hmm. um, especially when, when you're using like a, when you're using acrylic, you know, you can, it dries quick. You can quickly paint over it, you know, just wait, be patient. But with oil, it's just like, sometimes you can overthink it because it's like, all right, well, when I put this stroke down, like when I put this paint down, I mean, I might have to wait a few days before I can paint over it in the way that I want to, if it's going to be a drastic change. But when you put a time constraint on, it's like, okay, that, that decision was made and yeah. I got to live with that decision. And it makes you a better, a better artist. Cause it's like, all right, you're like you, you're more accepting of what you've done. And if you don't, if it, and then, and then maybe later, okay, you could change it after it dries and stuff, but that can also inform it, it, it. You can probably perceive it as a mistake at first, sure. but it could really inform your next move and it can easily become like the best thing that you've done. And it's really strange how that works. The second constraint is, um, and it's what a lot of artists do. And, uh, I, I use a limited palette. <clears throat> so basically, limited palette is you pick only a few colors. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, let's just say like you pick red, green, and blue, and you make it work yeah. with those colors. I don't suggest using that combination. <laughs> it's just an example. But if you pick the right colors, um, depending on what you're painting, whether it's landscapes or portraits or figurative, figurative work, um, 
it kind of forces you to make do. Like, it allows for you to, like, it almost allows for you to be more creative because now it's like, all right, now I have to find a way to make this cohesive mm-hmm. uh, without uh, without trying to, like, reach for that that other piece of that other tube of paint that I didn't decide on originally. So you get the best work. And I think that's also how that's also a good exercise for new artists mm-hmm. that are just starting. Um, like a lim- like an example, like a limited palette could be black and white. Yeah. Painting grayscale. Like that's an excellent way to learn how to paint because then you want you understand values mm-hmm. within the skin tones and everything. So it allows for you to focus on that. And sometimes color can distract you from the vibrancy of what something can be. So, yeah, I think those are the two things that I that I apply. Um, the time one wasn't always my choice, but, <laughs> you know, as time went on, it became good for practice. The time one almost ta- turns into a Pusha T album. Look, it's almost dry. It's, it's almost dry. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Out of way. <laughs> Like I couldn't help it. Uh, and, and, and I think the other part of it is, is that intuition sort of thing, too. Of um, I remember an interview I had a while back with a, a chef and we were talking about intuitive cooking. And it's like, yeah. you know, you have a few items in the refrigerator or, or items available. What are you going to be able to make out of that? You know, you're not going to have everything that you need to make the perfect pasta dish or what have you. But what can you meet, make? What can you make do with? And I think that that's I, I love that degree of difficulty sort of thing. So a limited palette really works with that and just bringing it in. It's like I'm going to make this, you know, cons- I'm going to put these constraints on me because I'm learning something else here. I need to concentrate. I need to approach it in a different manner. And I find like now you know, I've kind of gone off of my script, you know, as we're doing this interview, I have like a series of questions I would ask, but I'm like, all right, let's make it more of a personal thing and try to get some answers that I just think are interesting that may go off script. And I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. Improv. That, that's the thing, you know, it's like, oh, I'm working on these kind of like problem solving skills or, eh, that's a goofy question or, oh, this person already answered that in this other answer. So right. it, it's, it's a version of it. And I think some of the best thinkers from a strategic standpoint, they have that limited thing, that int- intuition thing. And it's, it's super effective, as they say in Pokemon. Um, so with that being said, uh, I want to hit you with some rapid fire questions and we'll, we'll wrap up from there. And as I give everyone the preface, don't overthink them. They're going to be ridiculous, though. Uh, Name one thing you knew about Rhode Island before moving up. Nothing. Fair enough. (laughs) Nothing. That's my answer. Absolutely. HP Lovecraft. (laughs) I I, I forgot it was a state. Honestly, I forgot it was a place. Oof. Oof. Most people that go to our school will say the same thing. Yeah, Especially people from the West Coast. Isn't Brown up there? There's like yeah. a bunch of Ivy Leagues. Brown University is up the street. <laughs> they're, they're like flipping you off. <laughs> you don't remember. All right, cool. Um, do you have a hidden talent? Is something that people just like only people really close to you would know that you're good at? A hidden talent. I really know how to cut hair. I don't have any, so go on. <laughs> like, like I, <laughs> like um, uh, I, I taught myself how to cut hair in like middle school, and it was made. I, I still do it. I haven't been to a barber in like eight years, 
just crazy. So I, I learned how to I learned how to basically cut my own hair because I was just like it's one of those things just like art. I looked at it, I was like, man, I can do that. I'm, I don't want to pay for that, so I'm just gonna do it myself. And then <laughs> no, no, this is before YouTube and everything. I just yeah. I just learned, and I was just like, oh, I didn't realize I could be really good at this. And I started cutting everybody's hair in my house. I have two brothers and my uh-huh. dad. I was cutting friends' hair. I was getting paid to do it. Like it was, it was my little. It was my little hustle, but if you did, like, only a few people knew, though. So whenever somebody see me on the street, and they're like, oh, I like your haircut. I'm like, where do you go? I said, nowhere. You go into my own bathroom. Like, what do you say? I go to my bathroom, and I spend a very long time trying to cut the back of my hair with two mirrors. That's what I do. Get that Andes in the the hand mirror or what have you. Uh Uh-huh. I mean... (laughs) When I shave my joint down, like I'm, I'm living in my more hairy stage now. But when I shave my joint down, I'm like, all right, I was going to the barbershop to get this done. I was like, I was bugging. And then seeing that the prices that people were talking, like it's opulence. I'm seeing dudes shaving, dudes shaving guys' heads and putting in um, enhancements. Oh man, everybody became a barber during COVID too. Son, and it's like. <laughs> oh yeah, you know, for one hundred and fifty dollars for a haircut, I saw your guy here. I, I remember the barber I was dealing with. You know, me and my brother, we both have unfortunate hairlines. I'll just put it that way. And uh, we both go there. We have limited hairs. I'm like, yo, at least blaze us up. Like, at least get the beards right. You know what I mean? And dude, cut our hair, both our hair. He was done like in like twenty five minutes, and he's like, yeah, that's forty, bro. I was like, excuse me. Ooh. And I was like, yo, I'm not going to get into an argument with it. I was just like, I'm just never coming back. They say it with a straight face, too. So, you got they that, that that's like it's like poker face. They, oh no, this is I, I meant what I said. I, I, can't, I can't do the the weird, um, suddenly I'm an entrepreneur as well as barber. So, it's like, yeah, I'm gonna have this, um, this nightclub. And also, I'm just like, yeah, I don't, I don't care, bro. I just, I just want to get out of here because I am finessing that work right now. And I just, want to <laughs> can you get your crotch off my leg thanks i appreciate it. it's just certain things that you encounter in the barbershop culture so bravo yeah, to you for, for, for cutting your hair for for over eight years um so you, you mentioned cartoons earlier and i got that nicktoon vibe from you so yeah. if you could trade places with one cartoon character for a day who would it be can i give you two it. it'll be It'll be Timmy Turner. I mean, you could have whatever you want. There was like little rules I think you couldn't break. I can't remember, but like you could get whatever you want. You can wish. You have fairly odd parents. Yeah. You know, like they grant any wish that you want. Like that's excellent. Like any any adult in this country would absolutely love that. Like you can't. This is true. That. The second is uh actually spongebob just because he lives a funny life <laughs> i was waiting for spongebob to pop up because i was like yeah. everyone wants to be spongebob at least yeah. at least for an hour you know yeah i have spongebob quotes for days like things that apply to my life every day i'd be like i just i just have them in the tuck all the time it's crazy so <laughs> he just lives a very funny un like strange life and i think everybody every adult is secretly squidward <laughs> well, you're not wrong. I mean, like most adults, they're just like, oh, got to get up, got to go to work, and I'm going to come home and do nothing all day. Just wallow away to the next day. Like a lot of people, that's just how that's how it is. A lot of people relate to that. I feel like when those like art grants come in, everyone turns into like Mr. Krabs. <laughs> <laughs> I love money. <laughs> yep. I know I've done it. So, <laughs> yep. 
<laughs> um, yo, go ahead. Oh, and they barely want to spend it. No, that's all. It's just like nah. Barely want to spend. Like, mm, you know, I was thinking about this as an idea, but you know, I could probably, you know, people try to cut the corners. You know, they got a wet paint sale going on. I can, <laughs> I can finesse this. Uh, um, what is your favorite time wasting activity? And I know you don't have a lot of time, so you're you're going to be very uh, intentional about when you're like, all right. I know this is not the best use of my time, but you're you're going to enjoy and take the consequences that comes with it. Like you might binge something. That's kind of what I'm getting at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I watch Marvel movies for the fiftieth time. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I do in my when I when I get bored, I like rewatch Daredevil. Like I like I haven't seen it already like fifty times. It's it feels new every time, and That's I know I'd be doing homework. I could be finishing this painting that I started two days ago. I could be doing a lot of different things, but man, this is this fight scene is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. So here, here's the last one. This is the one that's the most self-serving and pretentious. So in the inevitable Rob Lee portrait, you know, storyteller Rob Lee, the ideator Rob Lee, what is the color palette? What, what, what do we got? What are we working with? You, you, you've seen me for the last 45 minutes or so. What are we working with? Well, your personality is very vibrant, and I think you're very expressive. I think a few warm colors, like honestly, like the orange, like the orange color that I'm getting right now is great, like orange, red with some yellows, like something very bright, almost like spring colors in a mm-hmm. way. Yeah. I can definitely see that implemented all over, especially like in the background. Like it's, you just exude, um, <laughs> like positivity in a way. Like you just have good energy. Well, that's cheers. I, yeah, that's 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 me being real. I'm very citrus. Um, <laughs> so I think that's it. I think I think we got it. Um, so one, thank you for coming on to this podcast and sharing your story and talking about your work, indulging me. And um, two, I want to invite and encourage you to tell the fine folks where to check out your work. As if you need any more social media traffic, you know, you maven. But uh, you know, tell people where to check out your work and your social media handles, all of that good stuff. So you can find me on Instagram at Eli the Prophets, uh, except the E and Prophet is a three. And you can also visit my website. It is ElijahTrice.com. Simple. Or you can find that link also at my IG, which I previously mentioned. So yeah, have it, folks. I want to again thank Elijah Trice for coming on to the podcast. And I'm Rob Lee saying there's art in and around your neck of the woods. You just got to look for it. Mm-hmm.